Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. We are everyday people following Jesus every day. Going through this uh, Christmas season was uh, a little bit weird for me personally, and I, I asked around a little bit, so I know I'm not alone. For whatever reason, uh, this season of Christmas didn't really feel like Christmas. I'm not even sure how to define what feel like Christmas is other than a couple of different points. Uh, my girls and I would look at each other and go, it just doesn't, doesn't feel like Christmas. Uh, well, maybe that's, that's us. Uh, last year for Christmas, we flew across the country. We didn't do that this year. Maybe, maybe that's some of it. Uh, but as I asked around uh, a little bit, uh, again, I'm not alone in, in this. Uh, not everybody was feeling that way for sure. And, and maybe for you, uh, Christmas was a fantastic season of all the things that you uh, hoped it would be. Uh, and for the people I talked to, uh, there were as many different reasons as we uh, could come up with as there were people. Uh, for some people, it was, uh, it was grief uh, that either the, the traditions that they've always done for whatever reason weren't happening this year, loss of a loved one, uh, some uh, relationship brokenness hanging over their head uh, in, in some, some way, uh, disrupted patterns of some sort. Uh, I, I don't have any of those things to, to point at. Um, so so I have, I've thought about it and I've overthought about it because that's, that's what I do. Uh, and and I, don't, I don't have any great answers for us. I, I, I think to, to some degree, uh, I'm actually fairly certain about this, that we just as a society are not fully comprehending yet what the toll of the last two and a half years has been uh, on all of us collectively. Uh, but but I, I don't have any real great answers for, well, this is why it felt off to me uh, and, and to to many other people. So, so no great answers for you if, you if you felt that way, but it did bring me to a, a question uh, that I do think we can, can puzzle on to, together a little bit. And the question was this, how do you keep going when the solution doesn't solve anything? And what does it have to do with Christmas? If I was depending on getting to the Christmas season for something to feel normal and it didn't happen, if, if I was waiting on, or if you were waiting on getting to the Christmas season, getting through the crazy summer or the, the hectic fall to get to some sense of settled or, or to have the, the sentimentality or the romanticism of the season sort of lift your spirits and it didn't work, what, what do you do? How do you keep going when the solution you were looking for doesn't solve anything? when getting back to normal, whatever that meant for you, didn't actually make everything better. We have solutions like, I, I just need to get through this week. I just need to get on the other side of that project. If I could just get that promotion, if I could just make it to the next paycheck, if I could just have enough to purchase that thing, then it will make everything okay. It will, it will solve everything that I'm, I'm struggling with, or at least this big thing that I'm struggling with in front of me. If we try this way to start a family or, or that way, when, when mom finally gets healthy again, then we'll, then we'll get to, then everything will be okay. 
how do you keep going when the solution that you've been holding on to doesn't solve anything? Now, the good news, I mean, the real good news of scripture uh, is that God has an answer for us. The bad news is we often don't like it. We get so hitched to our own solution that we go to God in prayer, not looking for a solution, but looking for God to make our solution happen. (laughs) Hey God, so here's the thing. I'm facing this problem. Yeah, I know you know about that, but it's okay. I saved you some thinking time. I have come up with the best way to handle this. And so I just need you to make it happen because I can't make it happen, but I know you could. So if I just rub the little genie lamp, you're going to make this happen for me, right? Like we can, we can do this. And sometimes it takes real desperation for, uh, well, I won't even say for us, for me. (laughs) Sometimes it takes real desperation before I decide that I will let God come up with the solution to fix it because I just want a solution. And even then, my my desperation uh, tends to make me want the solution now, like yesterday. Like, okay, so here's the thing. I tried my solution. You were right. It didn't work. But I'm willing to go with your solution as long as your solution happens now. Like, I'm done. I really want solution now. Okay, so before we figure out how we keep going, uh, let's talk about where we uh, have been going, where we are and where we are headed. We are wrapping up the Christmas season where we've been asking the question, what child is this? Who is Jesus really? He is the only one who could and did die to save us from the death and separation caused by sin. He is human and divine. He is love. He is Emmanuel, God with us. 700 years before Jesus came around, the prophet Isaiah said this. All right, then the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And maybe we say this so much at Christmas time that we lose how astounding this statement is. God is with us. Now, this is how it was supposed to be in the beginning. As we talked about a few weeks ago, in the beginning, God made perfect people in a perfect place. And his perfect plan was for him to be with them living forever together in that eternal place. And when he made those perfect people to put them in that perfect place, he looked at it and he said, this is very, very good. This is really, really good. But this disease called sin entered the picture because we as humans reach for things that do not belong to us, that are not ours to reach for. And so humanity reached for what was not theirs and they became infected with this disease called sin. This this infection in us that turns us and everything around us against God. 
And so the consequence for our sin, for this disease, for our actions against God, the consequence of that is death and separation. And I'm not gonna go into all of that uh, today because we did that a few weeks ago. Uh, So if you uh, go find our uh, Atoning Sacrifice podcast, if you missed that one from the middle of December, go into a lot more detail about that. But the consequence of sin had to be death and separation from God from a plan of with to death and separation. So God promised in that moment and then through Isaiah and other prophets that he would be with us again. And that really is the fulfilled promise that we celebrate at Christmas time. If you've reached the end of the Christmas season, you're going, I'm not sure what all of that was about. What it was really about at its core is that we are celebrating this fulfilled promise of God to be with us. One of the through lines of all of scripture is that our God of love desires to be with his people. Desires to be with his people from the very beginning. His desire has, to be, has been to be with his people. Now, Jesus' life purpose was not to come and stay here to be God with us forever. He knew he was going to die, that he was going to pay that consequence of death for us so that we could once again be with God and live with God forever. And yet he carried this desire of God with him to never leave us and never be separated from us. So even though his death was coming, he wanted to make sure he promised his people that they would never be abandoned. So we're gonna turn to John chapter 14. And when you run into those situations in life where your solutions just aren't coming to fruition, or they do and you find out they just didn't work. These words are for you and for me. John 14, one. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me, Jesus says. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Which begs a question, trust for what? If you don't read ahead, what would you expect scripture to say next. Trust me to make your circumstances all work better. Trust me to make everything around you feel better. Trust me to make it all good now. Or maybe you're a lot more cynical than that. And you feel like the next answer is probably trust me to make life a lot harder on you. Okay. Whatever you expect, trust to be. Let's look at what Jesus actually says, trust in God and trust also in me because there is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. I will come and get you so you will always be with me in my father's house. There's that with word again. Later in John 14, Jesus uh, also promised, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit 
who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So Jesus is talking to the people immediately around him and says, look, I'm gonna leave, but I'm not leaving you alone. I will send God's spirit. God's spirit that is among you now, he says, as I talk to you, and then after I leave, will be in you. And we get to come as those following Jesus with our lives and be part of this promise that God's Holy Spirit is in us and among us. He continued a little later. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you, I am going away, but I will come back to you again. Trust in me, Jesus says, because I am coming back to you. And in the meantime, you are not alone. God is with us and will be with us. Part of the promise, part of the good news of Jesus is that Jesus is coming back to us. Part, part of the gospel story is that Jesus is coming back to us. Now, uh, this may be brand new news to you. You may not have heard that. You've heard the story uh, about the, the baby Jesus in a manger, and maybe you've heard the story about a grown-up Jesus on the cross. One, if you didn't know that's the same Jesus, same person, baby, okay, beginning, end, okay. Same Jesus, but maybe you did not know that there is this additional part to this story. That not only did Jesus die on the cross, but that he rose from the dead. That, that he conquered death in all ways and forms. And after his resurrection from the dead, he promised to come back. He promised to come back for us. Uh, Revelation, the, the last book in the Bible, says it this way. If I can turn to the right page. This is Revelation chapter one. Oh, well, if I have to go forward, that's gonna work better. There we go. Revelation one, verse seven. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes and amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and is still to come, the Almighty One. Did I go too far again? I did. There it is. The Alpha and Omega. Alpha and Omega are the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet, the A and the Z, the beginning and the end. God's saying, I am. Jesus is saying, I am. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And what was God's desire in the very beginning? To love and be with his people. And it is still God's desire. And it will be the desire that God fulfills in the very end to be with his people the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. Now, maybe you have heard this before. Maybe you've heard this before a lot. Jesus is coming back, that there will be uh, an end to 
all of this. Without thinking too deeply, first reaction, when you think of Jesus coming back, what are the first images that pop to mind? Because for the last 40 or so years, uh, a lot of uh, ink and digital ink has been spilled in talking about the end of time and what it will look like. Some of it very sensational and exciting. Maybe you picture, because it just talked about him coming on a cloud, maybe you picture like some strange guy like surfing on a cloud. It does say he's riding on a cloud. I have no idea what that means. No idea. So maybe you picture a very Sunday school, cheesy sort of, he's coming on the cloud. Sure. Uh, maybe uh, you have read uh, a, a lot of Frank Preddy and Tim LaHaye in the last 40 or 50 years, and the images that come to mind for you are very dark. There's a lot of blood and, and death and scary things and stuff that gave you nightmares because your youth pastor talked to you about it when you were 11. And I, not that's a personal story or anything, just seeing. Uh, <laughs> so it could be lots of stuff, lots of things that come to mind. As we talked about this topic as a staff, uh, Sky observed, and I'd, I'd never thought about this before, but I thought it was brilliant. He said, you know, for all of our fascination with the end of times, and again, there has been a lot written and talked about, not just in the last couple of years, but the last four or five decades. For all of our fascination with the end times, he said, we rarely ever talk about or focus on the end. So a whole lot of stuff about what leads up to the end and not a lot of actually focusing on the actual real end when the alpha and omega comes to make all things new. So will the world get worse before it gets better? Yes. Yeah. But Revelation, this book that could be many sermon series in and of itself, that has so much of this imagery in it uh, that has been uh, pulled from to make some really interesting movies and books is not actually an invitation to read the tea leaves. It's not actually intended to give small Christian kids nightmares. It is actually intended to be a letter written to real people to encourage them to endure. People who were trying to follow Jesus in a society that was against them following Jesus, sometimes in very violent ways, to say, no, you can endure because, because, God is the beginning and the end. When circumstances are bad, when the solution you were counting on doesn't solve anything, when nothing seems comforting enough, the end is coming and he is coming to be with us in love. Whatever trouble you are facing and you will have trouble. Remember, Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Centuries earlier, Psalmist wrote this, Psalm 46 in the New International Version. God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. We will not fear. Storms and disasters will come for you and me, real or metaphorical. God's desire is to be with his people. So Jesus promised 
we would have the spirit of God with us in our present trouble. He is our ever present help. And he is coming back to make his presence with us permanent. This letter of Revelation was written to help people endure and to give them hope. To help them endure through the hard things and to give the people hope that there is a better day coming. My struggle with hope, and maybe yours too, is that hope doesn't feel like a solution. Hope doesn't fit with my impatience, with my desire for things to be better now. Like, sure, something good is coming, but this doesn't feel good now. It feels far away and and hard to grasp at. Now, we actually turn to hope all the time. The question I don't think is, is really whether we hope. It's what we put our hope in. Because that's, that's really those solutions I was talking about earlier, right? They, we talk about them as solutions, but they, they really start as hopes. I hope this promotion, this paycheck, this purchase makes me happy or makes the people around me happy so they get off my back or whatever it may be. I hope that this will work. I hope that we can start a family this way. I I hope my loved one isn't sick anymore and gets better. I hope we can make it through this season. If we just make it through this season, then we'll, we'll be okay. I hope this will work becomes a solution, becomes I believe this will work when we become convinced of that hope. When we say, well, I hope this thing will work. It becomes a solution when we become convinced that it will, when we really start to say, I believe this will work. I hope becomes our solution when we become convinced. When we become convinced. And and I I don't know if convinced is the right word because that sounds like we're having a little argument with ourselves. but convicted uh, has a negative connotation to it. But when, when we gain some conviction that this is the right, this is what is going to fix things, I hope becomes the solution we're looking for. Now, I want to talk a little bit about abandoning hope for just a second. Because I've always thought of abandoning hope as a depression or uh, a cynicism giving up in some way. And often, this is because circumstances beyond our control, either external or chemical or internal in some way, overwhelm our brains and we just want to give up. And that's one of the ways that we abandon hope. But abandoning hope also happens when we simply put our hope in something else. So this isn't working fast enough. I'm no longer convinced that this is the right place for my hope. I'm no longer convinced that this is the solution. So I will put my hope in something else. 
We give up our hope in Christ when we put our hope in something else. This is true for any hope. We abandon our hope in Christ when we put our hope in something else. When we say something like, well, getting married will make it all better or getting divorced will make it all better. A new president will make it all better. A new house will make it all better. Having kids will make it all better. Kids leaving the house will make it all better. A vacation will make it all better. A new job will make it all better. A promotion will make it all better. And if something that I just listed, make sure you catch this, if something I just listed or something I listed this morning caused a small little voice in you to go, well, I know for most people that doesn't work, but for me, you now know where you have put your hope. Here's the catch. It might work. For a time, it may actually make things better. But you know, you know it won't last. Even if the job gets better, that doesn't fix the home life. Even if the marriage gets straightened out, there will still be heartache. Even if all your relationships are good, death is still a reality in this life. Even if you get the help that we all need, the self-doubt and temptations will still creep around the edges of your heart and mind. We want so badly to escape the current situation, to fix it, to solve it, to end it. And yet hurt will still come and tears will still happen. Problems will still crop up. You will still have to live with you. And even if you could fully restart, new job, new place, new people, new surroundings, you will find yourself in need of a new hope soon enough. What we need is a hope beyond temporary solutions or new day escapes. This is the hope promised by Jesus. Our hope is in a God who is pure love, who desires to be with his people, to envelop us in his love, to be one with us, to make all things new. This is the through line promise of scripture that there is a true and loving God who wanted to be with you from the very beginning and who will make that happen forever. The author of Revelation casts this vision for us in Revelation 21, starting in verse one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying, or pain. 
all these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end to all who are thirsty. I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. Today, there may be tears. There may be pain and death, heartache, resistance. But a day is coming where all of that is wiped away. All of it is wiped away. A day is coming where all of this is made new. Not the same old solutions for whack-a-mole problems that just keep popping up, but a day where all who thirst for something more drink from springs of life. A day where this one who is the beginning and the end gets what he has wanted from the very beginning to be with his people. We are loved. You are loved. We are loved by the God of the universe and he will come to us to be with us forever. So what do you do when the solution doesn't solve anything? What do you do when the solution doesn't solve anything? You hope, you hope. Not even telling you what you should do, I'm telling you what you almost all of us do. You put your hope in something. So it's a new year. And you can put your hope in the idea that life will be different this year because the calendar changed. Or you can know that no matter what comes, there is a day coming where everything will be made new. God wants to be with his people. And he won't just move, he will remake heaven and earth to make it happen. So don't let your hearts be troubled. You are loved. And our God is coming back for us. So let's pray and praise him together. Father God, we are grateful that you continue to promise and to fulfill this promise to be with us. That whatever brokenness we run into or cause or face, you are with us. And that you are promising to make that permanent. Father God, when you come back for us, we want to be recognized by you. Not just known as your creation, but known as your children. Known because we've been in relationship with you. 
You promise that if we come to you, you will make us your children. You will adopt us into your family. Father God, whatever brokenness is standing between us and our willingness to follow you, to be in your family, to be recognized as one of your children, Father, would you break down those barriers? Would you soften our hearts so we can step into your love and your care and your family? Father, for any of us wrestling with wanting it to be our solutions, our control, our way, would you gently or forcefully, gracefully break down our resistance that we would be known and loved by you fully. That we would be able to really look forward to you coming back for us, your kids. Thank you for that promise. Thank you for the hope that we have in you because of Jesus. Thank you for this desire that you have to be with us. May it humble us and may we praise and glorify you for it. We praise you, we thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out our podcast. You can learn more or connect with us online at easthills.org.